this is gonna be the best book you ever read. Like, this is your new favorite book. Off the internet, man. I need to go be introverted. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Books in the City. I'm Becky. I'm Libby. I'm Kayla. I'm Emily. And we're your four book best friends. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Quite shortened <laughs> and today. All we have to say about that. Um, what is that from? I feel like that's a meme or something. And that's all I have is, to say about is that. Is it from Forrest Gump? I think that it might be from Forrest Gump. Aww. That must be why I did it in that accent. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that must well, be why you said it exactly like Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks, let us know. Yeah, because he's definitely a listener. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Friend of the pod, Tom Hanks. If Tom Hanks is a, actually a listener, I would cry. I love Do you him. love I feel him? Like, I love Tom, him. Tommy boy, what are you doing here? <laughs> Welcome. What a guy. Anyway, thank you guys for voting in our poll about the merch. <laughs> um, yes, we have like updates coming and we'll keep you posted. Yes, we're going to keep it really exciting. I mean, you can probably guess which one won based on the results that you probably saw yeah. <laughs> in the polls. But you don't know what it'll look like. So Stay drum roll. Tuned. Fresh summer apparel. And in pure <laughs> product. Yeah. All those work. <laughs> Pure Books in the City fashion It is coming out in the middle of the summer. But, you know, that's fine. Middle of the summer is, is technically the right, the new the right summer. time to summer. Like, get stuff for summer. I actually yeah. have a theory. Yeah. Nah, wait, never mind. I want to hear it. Let's well, hear it. it has to do with global warming. I have a theory that the seasons okay. have just slightly shifted like a month oh. or two. I don't think you're wrong. I, I think don't think it, you're wrong. I all. mean, even in our lifetimes, it's really scary to think about. But like, why is it staying warm till Thanksgiving? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. When I was in high school, it we would have a white Thanksgiving in Cleveland yeah, all the time. Yeah, it would snow on Halloween. And now, not even a white Christmas. Yeah, snow yeah, on Halloween. It would ruin yeah. our costumes. Homecoming. No, homecoming's <laughs> not true. August. I have another theory that during COVID... Because I felt like 2020 was the first year that I got like seasons again. And I have another theory that because of the shutdowns oh. of factory production, maybe like the seasons that would bounce be, back a little. That's a This is now shift. a conspiracy theory podcast. Buckle in. <laughs> the merch, yeah. it's actually going to be 10 <laughs> Yeah. I'm just kidding. These, these theories have teeth. And foil hats that take you straight to Mars. Yes. We'll see you at uh, Area 51. we're gonna hop on that spacex flight right up there with bezos and no thank you what's his face i'll pass do you think maybe he'll just stay up there do we hope or i think probably that'd be ideal for everyone it feels like oh no i'm thinking of elon musk named the child their child something alien it was like a an equation like symbols or something yeah I was just talking to my friend about this, and she was like, do you have any interest in going to the moon? And I was <laughs> like, bro, I don't even have any interest in riding a helicopter. Like, yeah. they don't have air there. They don't have water. They don't have grass. No, thank you. There's so much of Earth to explore still. Right? Uh, but speaking of the moon, 
Thanks, everyone, for joining the Patreon Book Club Convo. As you know, if you read the book and participated, um, the main character was an astronomer. So space. Ooh, that's so cool. <laughs> What a great, like, bring it back around. Thank you so and much. We books. do talk about books. <laughs> and books. Yeah. Speaking of the fan club, book club. Emily, drum roll. That's me. Yeah. So <laughs> you heard on the last episode that uh, my book club pick is Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. And stay tuned to the Patreon and also the book club Discord chat um, to get all the deets on that. If you want to, if you're like me and you want to like read Madeline Miller for the first time, or you've read Cersei, or you already read it like Libby and you want to do a reread, maybe Libby. I'm still trying to make tiny marble busts happen. I'm talking (laughs) to my people. (laughs) Hey, Nicole. Oh my god. Yeah. Is Nicole that a spoiler? Is gonna be the... behind you 110% for that. Tine but make sure you check the bank account. Marble bus. <laughs> Economic marble bus. Um for everybody that wanna read it. Um so yeah, stay tuned over there. And if you're confused about what she's talking about, a part of the fan club book club is that you got a fun little perk that relates to the book every month. Yes, if you're in our Samantha and Carrie level yes portion you get a fun little thingy thing yeah so and even if you're not a samantha or carrie level person um you can still read along and um talk to me about how you feel i've heard it's emotional so um, i probably won't cry but people might might. (laughs) you might cry it's so good there was one piece of tv that almost made me cry recently and it was so random it's the mayor of east town i mean it's like a sad show but it's it's like a detective procedural so those things i consume them like candy and i like finished it and i think it's just more a reflection on thesis brain but i was like oh my god i've heard good (laughs) things about that show anyways the fish eye (laughs) that's what i was gonna say the fish Fish eye? What? That's what she thinks plural fish is. It's just fish. No, that's a type of camera that New York City real estate agents like to use to make the apartments look bigger. (laughs) You heard it here first. Another conspiracy? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That one's proven. And today I'll talk about the people living in the subway. So (laughs) it all comes back around. Um, Okay, the fish want to know... What is your favorite summer snack? Okay, I have answers. Let's hear them. Let's hear them. Um, <laughs> generally, I... Okay, this is like a four-part answer, but I'll be fast. So I have memories as a child of the public pool and getting Chico sticks at the pool. What's so that? <gasps> Chico sticks. Cheek of sticks? You've never had one? I don't know. Let me Google. Honestly, couldn't even tell you what they're made of <laughs> or what the flavor is. They're like maybe butterscotch, maybe caramel, maybe like... There's nothing better than a public pool snack. Oh, I know. So good. I've never seen these before. What does it say the yeah. flavor is? They're, they're... Well, it's made from peanut butter, sugar, corn syrup, 
and toasted coconut. Okay, yeah, so much. With colorings and preservatives added. It's one of those things like... That's the real flavor. Like butter fingers, too, that just like gets deep stuck in your teeth for like the rest of the day at the pool. It's so good. I would kill like one in five kids these days. That's a peanut allergen. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's peanut butter, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, so that, or I used to work at a like minor not even minor league like a very small baseball team diamond i didn't know this about you yes called the cedar rapids colonels and they were an angels affiliate i think but they had these jumbo hot dogs and in the summer that was just like the best if i'd been like working a game and it was like in extra innings and everyone was hot and sweaty and we'd been there for like six hours we would get a jumbo dog and it was so good okay and my last thing is just like a good tomato from iowa in august just like sliced up a little salt the best thing i've ever eaten in the summer Ooh, love that um i also have one do you guys know freezy pops yes <laughs> yeah a little like <laughs> i'm gonna say they're ice with food coloring in there yeah. <laughs> barely any flavor and Hardly any flavor and you freeze them and then you have to like cut the top and then like, oh boy, what an image. (laughs) You have to like squeeze the freezing pop part out so it sticks out of the wrapper. Wait, is it safe to say that everyone knows what a freezy pop is? Well, I think that this has different names regionally. Yeah, because that's what what you're explaining is an ice pop. See, yeah, East Coast calls them ice pops and it's a freezy pop in the Midwest. Yeah. They're not ice pops. They're freezy pops. But what are they actually e- called? Dash. Does anyone know? Like when you buy them? I think just like popsicles or something no. like that. No. Oh, there's something on it. No, popsicle is the brand and they are not affiliated. I got like the Aldi like hundred pack for $2. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a hundred of the unfrozen tubes. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember like putting the unfrozen ones in the freezer. I don't know why. Oh, I yeah. guess. I guess technically they're called flavor ice. Oh, it depends <laughs> on your brand. Straight to the point. Oh, um, my favorite. Pass me the flavor ice. <laughs> flavor ice. My favorite flavor was always the grape, like the purple one. I don't think I think calling it grape is inaccurate. No, it's purple. I think my favorite flavor is purple or yeah, the light blue. blue. Ooh. Um, yeah, no, the, the pink blue. was I so liked good. to melt the ice so that it was just yeah. the juice, and then you like yes, throw it yes. back like a shot. That's my like kid summer thing. Our neighbors used to like come into our fridge in the garage and like take. Like, them. Do you <laughs> remember what kind of like hurt? the size yes. of your mouth when you were like when it was just the liquid like it was like it was, the plastic would be kind of sharp yeah, yeah. exactly consuming a hundred percent refined sugar <laughs> no nutritional value pounded like five of those mm-hmm. a day as a child oh my God. Um, as an adult my favorite snack that i associate with summer aside from like watermelon is um the diana's like choco bunnies or choc- banana oh fuck me i just looked this up <laughs> choco banana okay. buddy there's a particular <laughs> hey no scratch the record rewind i just looked it up there's like a particular brand that i like glit covered bananas no it's not annie's is there's like a little monkey on the front blutes <laughs> <laughs> yeah Whoa, love the blue chocolate covered bananas <laughs> 
Oh, I liked that. Uh, okay, Diana's banana babies, <laughs> and they're like little chocolate-covered bananas on a petite little wooden Aww, stick, and they're so those. good. I feel like for from childhood, definitely Italian ice. Mm-hmm. You know those? They like mm-hmm. you could get. I guess we probably got them in like Costco or something, and they came in those little like mm-hmm. cups in the different flavors. Um, and also like all of the public pool like snacks i like when you mentioned a public pool i was immediately transported back to like standing in line right after they blew the whistle and like uh-huh. dripping from the pool like waiting my my like one dollar so bill soggy. is like soggy yeah. <laughs> but now i don't know that i changed my snacks for the season but i did just this week get some fresh strawberries from the farmer's market and that is a great like summer snack and i like to as I've probably said a million times I like to put it in my rosé. Oh, yeah. And so that's my answer. <laughs> that's a good one. I'm like not a snack person, but I guess like all your answers have jogged my memory. All of the, that like ice pops and shit, but like Mr. Softy was our oh, number one. So New York. Mm. And I lived on a side street, so it was like, None of the other ice cream trucks in my neighborhood would drive down my block, but Mr. Softy, like, he pretty much knew we were, like, the jackpot house because we would, like, sprint outside, like, chase him down the block oh to God. get ice cream. I was never allowed to really get anything from the ice cream truck. I have, like, <gasps> very, very, like, few memories of the ice cream truck. Oh, my Sad. God. Well, it's funny. Like, my family's not a dessert family. Like, I never had dessert after dinner, but just something about like Mr. Softy, especially if we were having like a barbecue and like there was a bunch of kids over, it was just the best thing. Now in the summer, I got Ralph's Italian ices a lot, which I think is like a New York, New Jersey thing. There's a few in the city, but I, don't, I eat like guac, chips and guac in the summer more, but I don't know. I just don't really eat snacks. I don't know Ralph's either. Really? Mm-mm. There's one by my apartment. Love it. Well, now I'm hungry. Oh, I'm really hungry. Summer. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we talk about books? Ooh. I think so. I think so. Becky, you go first. Yeah. I'm talking about everything. Oh, I wrote in my notes, everything lead to you. Everything leads <laughs> to you by Nina LaCour. It came out in 2014. And... Before I get started, content warning, death of a parent, drugs, overdose, and mentions of homophobia. So I talked about Watch Over Me by Nina LaCour um, on the podcast. And that's the only other one that I've read by her. And this is like really, really different. That one was kind of like ghosty and like eerie and kind of like culty. And this is not. This is definitely like very contemporary YA book but it does have the same like dreamy writing that I think she's known for and absolutely like developed from 2014 you know till now when these new books came out and she has a new book coming out soon I think so our main character is Emmy and she's 18 years old and she's going through a breakup which she's also gone through seven other times because she's been dating this girl Morgan who's like older than her and you know just crappy (laughs) and they date they break up they date they break up so she's kind of going through that in the beginning of the book dealing with that and it takes place the summer before college and she has an internship at a film studio 
in the set design department where she gets to help pick out different items for like the sets that are going to be on screen in movies. And I'll probably talk about this more later, but I loved the way that Nina LaCour wrote this like profession. Emmy's love for this craft was like through the whole book and it made me want to like quit my job and become a set designer if only I didn't. You could do it. I just, I hate Los Angeles Mm. (laughs) to live. I like visiting, but I could never live there and you, one would have to. So needless to say, this book takes place in Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) Emmy's brother also (laughs) works in the film industry and helped get her the internship. And so he like goes away for the summer and Instead of renting out his apartment to someone, he decides to have Emmy and her best friend Charlotte stay there for the summer. But the catch is that they have to do something, and I'm using air quotes, epic while they're staying there. Um, So they're kind of like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do this epic? So like I said, she's working at this internship. And early in the book, her boss calls and asks her to come to this estate sale at this specific address. And they go to estate sales all the time looking for like that perfect couch for the scene where like the girl's going to lose her virginity and like it has to be like the right couch for the mood and it has to like not distract from you know the scene but also like stand out and just like her talking about that I loved it anyway so they go to these estate sales all the time I love an estate sale (laughs) so I was like sign me up and they get there and it turns out that it's the home of this famous actor who's known for playing the lead in these like old school Westerns. And he's like one of the biggest names in Hollywood. And I don't, I Eastwood. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Except <laughs> for, is he, I think he's problematic. No Clint. I don't want to say. Yeah. And yeah, is he alive? alive? He's alive. Is he problematic? Yeah. But this person had just died in the book. Mm. He's old. Oh, uh, Clint Eastwood. No old. problematic. Yeah. He's old. Oh, I don't know. I just assume. Because Probably fair. Aren't they all? Aren't they all? <laughs> Old white man in Hollywood. But anyway, that's not the point here. Um, so it's this guy's, he's like an old Hollywood legend, basically. And so they look around, they're finding all these amazing things for the movie. And Emmy grabs like a Patsy Cline record, too, just because it's there. And she's like, this is cool. I'm going to take, I'm going to get this. So when they get home, Emmy and Charlotte go to listen to the record and a letter falls out of the <gasps> sleeve. Love like a letter. Sleeve. It's like addressed to a specific person and they, you know, are trying to figure out who it's to. It turns out to be from the actor to his daughter telling her that he tried to be there in her life and, you know, wasn't there and that he left a bank account for her. But the biggest OMG about that is that this actor is known for like never settling down and having kids, never getting married. There's... Nobody knows that he ever had a child. So this is like TMZ level information that like they have through finding this letter. So they launch into this like investigative mode. They're like Googling. They're contacting old landlords. They're trying to find this person who the letter was written to because they're like they have to they have to know what their father wanted them to know. You know, like that kind of like drama. And I'm not going to go into much detail past that about the investigation because i don't want to spoil it but is she the daughter in, oh is my who, who the daughter oh i i'm not saying her, her the girl um, or her ex 
twins. Oh my god! I mean, you guys can guess all night long. I'm not gonna say. So the investigation eventually, like, tell me after, leads them to, and I'm not gonna say in what way, but leads them to this girl named Ava. And Ava is unlike anyone that Emmy has ever met. She's had like this really difficult past. She's living in a homeless shelter. She's really unconventional. She's a little wild and weird, and she's strikingly beautiful. And that character is very important, <laughs> but I don't, I can't say anything else about her. And they're she's gonna fall in love. His daughter. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything about anything. And that's the book. <laughs> no, keep going. I'm just kidding. But there's a lot. There's a lot more that happens around like the set design element about romance and Hollywood and friendship. And this was like the shortest book description I've ever given probably but like anything more that I say will be a big spoiler I want to read this it's I really liked it I saw someone describe it as aesthetic gay and I think that's (laughs) a good way to describe this book um it's like so dreamy in the descriptions of like her passion for films it's like very romantic like it felt like it had a visco filter over it in in my my mind if that makes sense a little like what is it like F3 on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it just just had kind of a filter and it's it's one of those books where like you close it and you want to like go tell your crush you're in love with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my god. Oh. Like that kind of thing. So yeah, I don't want to say anything else, but um I gave it 4 stars. I listened to it on audiobook <laughs> and at 1.5 speed. <laughs> Which was really fast, but the the point of this is that the narrator was really good, <laughs> um, and I recommend it. Um, it was probably really good just reading it um, traditionally as well. But wait, I have a question. Yeah. So, like, comparing it to Watch Over Me, do you feel like you prefer one of her styles over the other, or is, are you just like, whoa, she can pull off any, anything, or like, how are you feeling? The latter. I feel like. The thing that was very her about this and that w- is like the visco filter vibe over That's it. That's like, like we in, are okay in too. the writing. Yeah. Okay. I think that makes a me l- I mean it a little. Yeah. And I almost think this maybe maybe um watch over me was like new adult and this is young adult potentially because that one seemed kind of more mature than this. This one's like very much their eighteen year olds like you know about to go to college like it was very I don't want to say very YA but like just like geared towards that age group where um watch over me was like it felt older felt more adult um but that could also be a testament of just like the years that passed in between and like the growth of the author as well Mm -hmm. yeah I want to read that me too what's it called that is everything leads to you by Nina LaCour Libby what did you read okay I read City of Girls by <gasps> Elizabeth Yay! Gilbert. One of my favorites. Oh I know. I was going to say the noises that you just heard. I feel like this is a very Becky <laughs> and Kayla book. So I hope I like do the historical fiction stands of the pod who like follow those two. I hope I do you guys justice. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, like just. We have faith in you. I <sighs> Thanks. I finished reading that book on a plane and like cried a lot. Oh, interesting. But I think well, apparently you cry. Another conspiracy theory. 
apparently you cry more when you're in a plane, so I'm going to blame it on that. <gasps> oh. Is that true? Like the altitude. That tinfoil hat off. You're getting Wait. too much signal <laughs> from the microwaves, Becky. Yeah. No, next to no, level. Apparently altitude makes you more emotional. Something about being stuck in a mental, a uh, mental, a metal box <laughs> in the sky. Just the bunch of strangers. Yeah. Well, and also there was a very friendly stranger sitting next to me. I'm sorry. I'm totally steamrolling over your part. Hey, do you want like, to talk they, about the book? No, I'm no just they were like, oh, what's that about? And I'm like still crying and processing. Anyway. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> That's too much. I need to like process by myself. So the book is called Becky Breaks Down on a Plane. <laughs> Becky's on a plane. Um, get it? Like snakes on a plane. <laughs> N- yeah, <laughs> get it. Um, okay. No, now that I like it, you said that the ending is really beautiful. So I didn't cry, but I could see crying. Actually, maybe I did cry. Hard to say. <laughs> I feel like I- we're gonna hear Libby talk about this book backwards. <laughs> First, the ending. Let me start. But actually, that is kind of how the book starts because the narrator is this woman, Vivian Morris. And it starts, she's an old woman who is writing a letter to someone. And we don't really know much about the recipient of the letter. It's just kind of like, you once asked me how I knew your father or like what my relation to your father was. So like, I'm going to tell you a story. And she goes way back to the beginning. Um, So Vivian Morris when she's reflecting on her younger self, she starts as a 19-year-old Vassar College dropout. So this is like the 1940s. She comes from kind of a classy, like semi-wealthy, very waspy family um, in upstate New York. And so her parents are very like you failed out of school. This just isn't done. Like, what's going on? We don't know what to do with you. So they send her to live with her Aunt Peg, who owns a small theater in New York City. Peg is her dad's sister, and she knows they have kind of a weird relationship. Peg has just, like, chosen a non-waspy lifestyle, so it's mostly them just, like, she's not a proper woman type of energy. But... Vivian's like very pumped to go to New York City. She feels like it's like a good chance to start fresh and just see a new place, meet new people, whatever. So she goes to live with her Aunt Peg, who lives above and owns a theater. I think it's on like 41st Street. Um, It's called the Lily Playhouse. She gets there and is just like immediately swept up in like this fast-paced wild scene with like actors coming in and out and showgirls all around all the time and like her aunt peg drinks whiskey and everyone is just kind of this like weird big dysfunctional family and so she's immediately like very taken in and like loves it fits right in she is also super skilled at sewing. So she kind of becomes like the unofficial costume designer at the Lily Playhouse. And because of this, she's able to like work more closely with all of the theater people there and like form some important connections that I'm not really like going to go into. But so the Lily Playhouse is known for kind of serving the working class, like 
there's, you know, Broadway or like real time kind of theaters at this time. But Aunt Peg is just focused on like pretty formulaic cookie cutter stories that she can sell tickets to the like neighbors for cheap and it works and you know whatever but this woman Edna arrives at the Lily Playhouse one day because obviously it's the 1940s so in the like grander scheme of the world the war is kind of gaining speed and Edna is this actress who is from England but gets stranded in America and her and her husband aren't allowed to go back um, because of the war. So Peg takes her in and they decide, like Edna's a super talented actress, so they decide like, let's use your talent while you're here. So they come up with this new play, it's called City of Girls, and it kind of becomes a hit. And they increase the ticket prices a little bit. They get like some positive press and good write-ups and everything seems to go, you know, be going very smoothly until Vivian makes a pretty terrible, like naive mistake. Again, she's a 20-year-old girl. So, you know, she's in the city for the first time. She's going wild. She's hanging out with showgirls. She's falling in love with an actor. She's not making the best decisions all the time. One night, one of her poor decisions is documented and she basically overnight has to like flee New York City and everything kind of is turned on its head. So that's, I feel like it sounds like I just gave a lot away, but that's not really a spoiler and there's so much more that happens in the book after this point that I'm really not going to go into because, you know, it's just a lot. But because it's this older Vivian, like, reflecting on her life, um, you know, she has some interesting insight on, like, what happened and, you know, her mistakes and stuff from a little bit of a distance. So, um, yeah, maybe that's all I'm going to say. I don't, I don't know if that I, like covered on the most fascinating parts but I, I there was did. a quote okay there was a quote I think I know what quote it is about New York Go City on. that I wanted to read that like really so I read this recently and it was like obviously during the pandemic so like it's a weird time to be in the city right now and for the past year I listened to the audiobook too so I had to like pause and rewind like four times to write this down So it says, but this is a city that gets born anew in the fresh eyes of every young person who arrived here for the first time, which I was like, the quote I thought you were going to say as a transplant, Mm -hmm. it really spoke to me. I thought it was really beautiful to read about like coming to New York with like fresh, optimistic and like naive eyes, especially in this weird time when I when nobody's really like enjoying the New York that they like probably first fell in love with and it was just like I don't know that quote made me like feel all kinds of things overall I did really enjoy the book I felt like it was maybe a little too long but at the end like Becky said I was like left feeling this like it's not even like sad tears it's more just like 
emotional yeah. like my heart was growing kind of thing because it it has a lot to do also with like how this city can become you know a little bit smaller the longer you spend here and like the connections between like just humans in a place like this especially so I feel like those were kind of the things that made it like special and not just your typical like historical fiction novel but um yeah so I gave it four stars I also didn't even talk about this but the war kind of factors in <laughs> like obviously it's not just about this very small story there's more about like world war two and um the U.S. involvement and all of that so it has kind of the best of both worlds historical fiction situation mm. This is on my summer TBR. Oh. Technically, it was on my January oh. TBR, but um, I didn't well, get to it then, obviously. Summer, January, same thing. The season changed. Seasons are <laughs> shifting. We talked about it. Wow. I'm curious if you like it, Emily. I'll, I want to know your okay. thoughts. I like theater. Yeah, I think yeah. that's why you would like it. I think, yeah, you probably would. Um, there's a lot of, like characters you know what I mean by that yeah which that's like another thing I really didn't even touch on but there's a really like warm fuzzy feeling of kind of found family in this you know Vivian's not close to her uptight conservative parents so there's like this ragtag crew waiting with open arms in the city which was also kind of a beautiful thing to read what was that that was City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert which I was like shocked because that's the um eat pray love yeah author. she's fascinating and i didn't know she writes yeah she is fascinating i didn't know she writes novels this was this was her first that. right th oh well that explains yeah that. um but i haven't this was my first by that i read by her too but yeah i think she also wrote like a writing book like big magic or something or like how to be creative mm -hmm. or something is eat pray love a memoir yeah. Yeah. She really did go all over Whoa. like Reese Witherspoon. Julia Roberts. No. Julia Roberts. <laughs> I was thinking of Wild. Wild, that's Cheryl Strain. <laughs> different <laughs> different journeys. Sorry. America's but other sweetheart. <laughs> Ignore me. But yeah, I recommend interviews with her too because she has a very um interesting like later half of the 2010s really heartbreaking story yeah it's really it is she writes really beautifully too and like the dialogue and the descriptions of fashion in this book were just like I would like pause and rewind and listen to some of it again because she really nails that element Kayla what did you read I'm so excited to talk about this book I read Mary Jane by Jessica Ann Blau Yay. and shout out to Becky for pointing this out to me when we were at rough draft on our retreat, because I like, this is a habit I need to get out of, but I really rarely will just like pick a book up without having heard about it. I think it's one of like the downsides of bookstagram was you're just like seeing so many all the time that like, I'm just geared, like drawn to them. But Becky was like, Oh, you would probably like this. And I read the inside cover and I was like, Oh Yeah. I saw the cover first and I was like, Kayla would like this. And then I was like, let me check. Let me read it first. Yeah. The oh cover God, is nice. so good. So go look at that if you don't know what I'm talking about. But PSA, I've said this before. I'm saying it again. We got to stop comparing every music or 70s or music in the 70s book to Daisy Jones. Because this book is not Daisy Jones. This book is almost famous. 
So not exactly, but I like halfway through was like, why do I feel like I'm reading like a different version of the movie Almost Famous? And then like on the cover or somewhere like in the book, there was like someone compares it to that. So I was like, okay, I was really on something with that. I love this book so much. I was terrified that I wouldn't like it. And I will say, I don't think this book is for everyone. And like the best way I can explain it is that this book is like a slice of life. Like at times it's like nothing is happening and you're like, where is this going? But that's not the point of it. Like the point is just to have like this snapshot of this one summer. So it's 1975 and the main girl is Mary Jean. She's 14 and she lives in the Baltimore suburbs with her parents. She's an only child. Her family's very conservative, um, probably not like wealthy, but they're definitely well off. Very like cookie cutter. Everything has to be perfect. Her mom is the perfect housewife. Her dad's a lawyer and comes home and like dinner's ready. And they like wait at the table with all the dinner out, like waiting for him to come home before they can eat. Oh God. The mom like plans all the family's meals out a month in advance and then spends Mom's- all day. Like, is- yeah. Like the menu. Wait, when, spends- when is this? Sorry. This is 75, okay. but I literally wrote like picture your stereotypical 1950s American dream but like in the 70s like her they love America they're super religious super patriotic they have a picture of President Ford like above their dining table like this is where Mary Jane comes from so it's the summer and her two best friends are away at camp. So she decides to take a job as a summer nanny for this new family that moved into the neighborhood. So the family are the Cones. Mr. Cone is a psychologist and he like sees his patients and they like converted like the detached garage into like an office for him. Um, and then Bonnie the mom is a housewife, but she is the complete opposite from Mary Jane's mom. She doesn't cook. She doesn't clean. They're pretty much hippies. And like Mary Jane immediately is like shocked because she, whatever Bonnie was wearing, like she could see her boobs and she was like, what is happening? Like, it's just the complete opposite from the world that she's from. So she is there to be the nanny for their daughter, Izzy, who is five years old and like the best child ever. I want to babysit her. Like I want Mary Jane's job. I want to hang out with this little kid. I thought the author did such a great job of writing her and honestly, like writing a child in what seemed like a realistic way for this situation, but also writing Mary Jane and Izzy's relationship. Cause like I used to babysit literally nonstop and I was able to relate to it so much when like this child becomes like your best friend for this period of time and like they mean so much to each other and it was just so sweet to read but like it felt so real so quickly Mary Jane realizes that the Coens are literally nothing like her family and she is like experiencing this crazy mix of emotions because she thinks it's so cool that They'll like get fast food for dinner, like all these things she's never allowed to do. But she's also so stressed out that there's never laundry done and there's nothing to eat in the fridge. So she starts kind of like taking over the household and will start like doing the grocery shop and cooking dinner and like using her mom's menu and like having it be for the cones. And she like really enjoys doing it. And you can tell like she 
like that's how she expresses her love by like doing these acts of service for the family and she slowly starts to become a part of the family so one day Mr. Cohn is like I have a patient coming to stay with me for the summer with his wife but no one can know that he's here like I'm helping him get sober and then he's like it's a rock star and his wife is a movie star so Mary Jane is like who the heck is this so she grew up very sheltered and she only listened to um like records of like Broadway soundtracks so she first of all is missing out on so much great music but she is like who could it be so she shows up one day and almost passes out because the couple is Jimmy and Sheba so they gave me like Mick and Bianca Jagger vibes so Jimmy's the front man of this band Running Waters and she doesn't know who he is but um she's never seen a man shirtless or with tattoos so she immediately is like what is going on here and there's this like really innocent like she has like this crush on him like it's like it was just really like funny and sweet to read but Sheba is Mary Jane's idol because when she was younger she was on this like variety show that Mary Jane was actually allowed to watch so she cannot believe that like Sheba is there let alone they're becoming friends so what follows is literally just their lives this summer. Um, it's a definite slice of life. There's no dramatic events or twists. Obviously things happen when it's like a lot happens between the adults and like Jimmy's trying to get sober and stay sober. And it's just like, there were points where I was like, am I just going to read about Mary Jane, like organizing their house every day? But <laughs> you, yeah, you kind of do, but like, Uh, things happen and like there were just these like really sweet moments that was like like it felt so realistic and like I loved all the characters but Jimmy was my favorite and his character's arc and like I don't know any recovering rock stars but he reminded me so much of like family members that I have that just fuck up all the time but you love them so much and like Uh they love you and like like there is this quote where I was like oh my god this is my whole childhood because like at one point Jimmy relapses and he's like crying apologizing to Mary Jean because he's like so sorry he disappointed the family because they end up calling them all they all call themselves like one big family and Mary Jean says that I'm paraphrasing but she was basically like it was the first time I'd realized that someone I love can do something that I don't love and I can still love them so much anyway mm-hmm. and I was like oh it's like yeah so basically this book was like growing up in summertime and like that moment when a good song comes on and everyone starts singing along but then the song ends and like the day just keeps going by and it was like a snapshot of happiness that you recognize when you're in it and one that you look back on and be like wow like that was a really special moment and I mentioned that like I used to babysit nonstop and like little things where this author definitely had to have been a babysitter because like the most irrational things I used to worry about like that about the parent getting mad about if like the kids did or whatever were in this book and as I was reading it I was getting like anxious again and I'm like oh wait I'm not babysitting anyone like it's fine but it just felt so realistic and like all of this in the backdrop of the 70s and like the mentions of the music and the fashion was just so so good and I like I wanted to live in this book and like spend a day just like listening to records with the family. I loved it so much. Obviously, five stars. And that was Mary Jane by Jessica and Anya Blau. I want to read this. That's not, yeah, it me too. so good. And also, I really well, want I'm the worried because there's there's no plot like. Well, but yeah, I love books with no plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you'll love it. 
But that's what I meant when I said it's not for everyone. Cause like I saw some reviews after where people were like nothing happens, but I think that's like the point. Like it's not supposed to be some dramatic thing, but yeah. Emily, what did you read? Okay, so I read a book that was recommended by a friend of the pod, Kat. Finally picked up Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. This was written in 1996. Oh, wow. I think. Um, and I've never actually read any Neil Gaiman before, That's but I have good. listened to his narration of the Norse mythology. So he wrote his own version of Norse mythology. And it was a great audiobook. He's like a funny, he's got a very like, I don't know about like British humor, but it is kind of like sarcastic and quirky and like funny, but um, entertaining. And that's how he came across in his audiobook. And that's kind of the vibe that's set out in this fantasy world as well. For context, I, this is like the first physical book I've finished in a really long time. I've been in such like a mood. Uh, like just a non I don't want to read words with my eyeballs I don't want to do it you can't make me do it um so I was like going through this book while I was in that mood that being said I still really enjoyed it and like wanted to finish it I just finished it rather slowly and I think that's just because I was in that headspace those of you who have been around me for the past month I have this like it's like a tiny book and it fits in my purse perfectly. So I brought it everywhere and it's actually kind of damaged because <laughs> I keep falling asleep on it or like shoving it in my purse anyway. And then at the end of this, I'll talk about this other book that I can't, I can't separate the two of them in my mind anymore. But basically, Neverwhere opens up on like a 1996 London. We're learning about Richard Mayhew, which is this guy who had just moved to London from Scotland and he's like kind of a midland financier type like works at a like cubicle in an office has a fiance who's a little overbearing and her overbearingness was like really funny to me she basically like bosses him around and the type of woman who like she's like you will propose to me now like you will impress my boss now um, so there's a lot about Richard's life that is pretty like mundane and boring and revolves around like transportation, just getting around the city, you know, like life is kind of happening at Richard. So he's really paranoid about being late to dinner with his fiance's boss. And this was like an exchange that was making me laugh out loud. I just feel like his assessment of like life was funny in the beginning. They were on their way to dinner. His fiance is like badgering him to not drag, fall behind. And all of a sudden you find out that this girl is like bleeding in the street. And comically, the fiance has stepped over the girl because she's like, you know, my life is important. I can't be late for work. And Richard's like, um, excuse me, this woman is like bleeding. And um, Richard stops and, and helps her and brings her back to his apartment because she's like you can't tell anyone who like where I am someone's after me like really vague uh threatening stuff so he's concerned for her safety and he decides to intervene and the way she's dressed like the implication is that she's like maybe a homeless woman and someone like people would overlook and 
we find out that this girl's name is Dor. That's her full name. <laughs> and she's got I like that you powers. paused. You were like waiting for a reaction. <laughs> Dor. Dot, 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 what? Her special power Door? is that she can open doors. Wait, what? Really? She has magic. Yeah. Buried like she can lead. create like portals. Oh. And this is important because she's not from what we would consider London. She's from a different world called um, the London Underground. <gasps> and this is a place that's like a magic, a magical world that's built around the tube, the tube system. <laughs> but it's like a hiddenen world of like, fiefdoms and characters and hunters cool. and we find out the door is from like like monarchy and someone has recently slaughtered her family and those people are after her um that's why she's covered these, in blood yes these assassins are pretty good villains um their names are mr croup and mr vandermeer and they're Wait. pretty scary they take pride in torturing and dismembering people and the way that like time and space works in the london underground is like different um so they're actually renowned assassins from like the 1600s they're basically like in charge of plagues and that's just their job wait wait wait. Um, i have a question does she know how she got to this london or like can can you ask oh because that's her power yeah so yeah, Dora can, like, make things appear, Duh, and she okay. knows that, like, people from the underground have a hard time following her, so she's just trying to lose the tail. Gotcha. Um, And Richard is taking care of this girl, and, you know, he just thinks she's a normal girl who's stumbled upon a hard time until Mr. Croup and Mr. Vandermeer knock on his door and say, we know you have this girl. Where is she? And Richard is like, um... This isn't right. And <laughs> thus begins his magical quest to try and get Dor to safety. The rest of the book kind of follows Dor's journey to figure out like what happened to her family slash who hired Mr. Croup and Mr. Vandermeer to assassinate her. Um, so there's a lot of different like realms. And I think that's the best part of this because Gaiman like took things that you would overlook in normal life like the things that would make a city like dirty or grungy or boring like the rats or the sewers or like the garbage or the defunct um tube stations and turned them into like like hubs of fantasy like rats in this world are the highest creatures they oh are God. like they carry secrets oh no. i don't want to grow this they world. are well respected <laughs> Well, like, yeah, like I think that's what the New York rats think they are. Right. <laughs> when Richard first becomes part of the underground, he's like, ooh, a rat, because people are picking them up and talking to them. And everyone, like, record scratches because they're like, don't disrespect the rats that way. It's just like kind of a flip on what you would expect. And I really enjoyed that because it really empowered, like, the things about a city that you would normally overlook like people who look dirty you make assumptions about them and you assume that they're 
poor or not well off or think of like how many homeless people you walk by on a regular basis and most people ignore them but in this fantasy world it's kind of like people who are dressed weird or you know talking to rats are part of this whole hidden world that you aren't even at you don't even have access to as a normal like London dweller um and the whole time I was reading this I was thinking about the book that was actually the most perfect gift I've ever received so my old boss before I moved to New York gifted me this book that was about it's called the mole people it's like a nonfiction book that came out a while ago about real life people who live in the New York City subway system or at least they did in the 90s and it's like similar vibes like the New York City subway system is pretty surface level and there's a lot of like deeper shut down stations and there were like groups of people who choose to live in these stations that might have access to electricity or like access to I don't know like uh, water and like some of these people according to the journalists um, some of these people you know like never surface and they just live underground and There was like one instance where someone was eating a rat and really stuck with me. But it was a really interesting book to lead me into the city because it got me like every literally every time I take the subway, I'm like on the lookout for things that like no one would notice. Like when you're taking the subway, you're underground for like 45 minutes just staring at a black wall. So like (laughs) ever since I read that book, and I think if you've also read Neverwhere, you're going to want to pay attention to the things your brain trains you to overlook. Oh my God. Oh no. I don't know if I want to read this. We have another conspiracy. (laughs) Another conspiracy. I I was just about to say. I'm Googling the mole people (laughs) as we speak. The mole people. (laughs) So for those who commute, through London I think you'd enjoy Neverwhere like even more because um a lot of the little quests are plays on stops on the tube so like um Richard would recognize the people of the underground would say like oh you know we have to go to like Shepherd's Meadow or something and he was like oh the stop on the tube and they're like no the most dangerous place on earth so it's kind of fun that way it's cute i will say that i could have done with maybe like a pinch more plot there was a pretty good twist at the end that i was like ho ho the grand unveiling of the most evil character was pretty interesting and i do prefer my fantasy with like a little more romance spice and i was really shipping a couple or even more than one couple i was like at one point i was like i'll take a couple oh, no like romance. anybody kiss uh <laughs> and it didn't happen so no Wait, is romance. this a series or just one it's just one and i in my copy neil gaiman explains that the book was written off a tv show so he and someone else had written never wear the tv show and then he elaborated on that as a book and then I guess people loved it so much it is his most popular book and it does make the list of like the most respected fantasy novels of all time and in my copy he like released more material so there was like an essay collection about another character I thought it was really clever world building you know usually when you're reading a fantasy book it's like (laughs) vaguely medieval like you know Game of Thrones vibes and I've never read like another 
world that felt similar to this and it has the appeal of a magic world that I like like hidden behind the the mundane is just around the corner is magic and that's like a really fun theme for me so I really liked it gave it four stars I can't remember why it's called Neverwhere though (laughs) I have this like illustrated beautiful edition of this book not to brag. Ooh, not to <laughs> brag. Might have to see some of these illustrations. I want to watch the people speak to the rats. Uh, I want to see what Mr. Vandermeer and Mr. Croup look like, to be honest. Oh, I have one more comment. I think that BBC either put on a radio production or, I don't know. I was reading the history of it, and the cast was, like, pretty bopping. It was, like, James McAvoy, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, wow. Mm, Natalie something. She plays Marjorie in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Fun. Feel free to look into that as well. This would probably be good on audiobook. Everyone feel free. (laughs) What book was that? Uh, That was Neverwhere (laughs) by Neil Gaiman. What's on your TBR? On my TBR, on my TBR, on my TBR. I definitely wrote it in the document because I was like, for Libby. Thanks. Um, Oh, okay. On my TBR is Ray Bearer by Jordan Ofueco. Libby, what's on your TBR? On my TBR is a reread of the Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. I'm so excited. Happy dance, happy dance, happy dance. Kayla, what is on your TBR? I'm cheating because I just started it, but Survive the Night by Riley Sager. So excited but so nervous i almost like hate when an author i love releases a new book it's like Uh daunting (laughs) yeah i feel that do you think if this book totally sucked you would just never read riley sager again no because i didn't super love lock every door but then home after dark came out after it and i really liked that one so okay i know he can redeem himself wait it's called dawn survive the night Survive the night, not dawn. You were really close. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Becky? I'm going to read The Great Pretenders by Laura Kalpakian. Where can you guys be found online? I'm at the Lazy Library. I'm at Becky in the Bookshelves. I'm at Sleep, Run, Read, Repeat. I'm at K Red What, and you can find all of us at Books in the City Pod. Make sure you're tagging us and using our hashtag, My Books in the City. Follow us on Twitter at BATC Pod, like our Facebook page, Books in the City Podcast. Join the fan club for a bunch of fun stuff. Go to our website, booksinthecitypods.com for all of this, plus merch and the long-awaited search function. Yeah. They should leave us. Oh, yeah. Their favorite conspiracy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. We should all comment ours since we didn't say them. Oh, mine is the Furby conspiracy. Oh, wow. Ooh. They're actually aliens. Oh my spies. god. Well, mine's that we didn't okay. land on the moon. When oh, we said Kayla. we did. When we said we did. Oh, my oh god. Kayla. I think the Earth's flat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just kidding. I think science well, is made up by the mind. Vaccines uh, are bullshit. <laughs> Just kidding. These are oh these god. are not beliefs I'm of ours. Not, I'm fully cutting that one. <laughs> Thank you to our Carrie Level producers, Sissy, Riley Harrell, <laughs> Carrie Kissinger, Brenna Collins, Amanda Borgia, Elizabeth Jamka, and Susie Southwick. Hooray! Thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.